You're listening to the New Life Church Podcast, where we are passionate about helping you connect to your God-given purpose. To learn more about New Life Church, including our service times in Canton, Georgia, visit us online at newlifecanton.com. Well, we are now in part three, week three of our series in Colossians. I hope you've gotten something out of it so far. If you haven't been here, I hope you'll go back and check it out online. Um, The subtitle is Understanding the Fullness of Christ. Understanding the Fullness of Christ. And like we've done each week, I want to review about five things that I think we need to keep in mind when studying the book of Colossians. Real quickly, those things are, number one, this was a letter, just like an email or just like a letter you would write. This was a letter written by the Apostle Paul and his protege, his son in the Lord, Timothy, to a house church in Colossae. If I could get the map up there, Colossae is actually in modern day Turkey, right there for for scope. Jerusalem is way down here. This is the Mediterranean going around, so a long way away, modern day Turkey. And uh, he actually was writing, Paul was writing this letter, this epistle from prison. Can you imagine? Prison then is not like prison now. Horrible conditions. He was at house arrest. He couldn't leave. He had guards, but they allowed him to write. They allowed him to have a few visitors. And I could have that map one more time. Paul was way up here in Rome in prison when he wrote this letter. The third thing is that Paul didn't plant the church. Paul had never been to Colossae. Paul did not know these people. One of his other disciples named Epaphras was actually the one who started the church. But Paul was the one writing. Why? Because he had the apostolic authority. He was the overseer. And that's the way the kingdom of God works. It's a beautiful thing. The fourth thing is that the theme of Colossians is about staying fully connected. Say that. Fully connected to Jesus Christ. Fully connected. And I've said it every week, but folks... You can't stay fully connected to Jesus and stay fully connected to the world at the same time. Come on, you unplug one, you can't plug into both at the same time. Although we try. We sure try. And I'm not talking about living in the world as salt and light. I'm talking about participating in things of the world that we should not be. You cannot do both. If we try to do both, and many of you know this, we end up very miserable, frustrated, and failing over and over again. Now, there's more than this, but I mentioned two major ways that we can stay connected. Number one is a daily quiet time with the Lord. A daily, daily, everybody say daily. That's so important. A daily time with the Lord, whether that's in the morning or maybe at your lunch or in the evening. For me, it's gotta be in the morning. I'm sharper in the morning. I'm more together in the morning. I'm not a morning person. But once I'm up and have my coffee, come on somebody, then I can, I'm okay, I'm okay. But you, you have to guard this time. If you're not having this time every day, I'll beg you, start with 15 minutes and then you'll find that's not enough after a while. Lord, for me, 15 minutes, I, I stare at the wall for 15 minutes, honestly, till I can even get my brain wrapped around the day and wrapped around what I'm doing. 15 minutes, and then I know that God's going to add on to that. What do you do? You pray. You get in the Word of God. You listen. 
to the Holy Spirit. You develop a relationship. The other way that we can connect to Jesus is to stay connected to the body, his church. Come on, when we gather like this, this isn't like a normal gathering, y'all. This is not like a concert. This is not like just some kind of civic thing that we're gathering. When we gather like this, there's a supernatural thing that takes place. It's sacred. What happens? We become the tangible body of Christ when we come. So the best way to stay connected to Jesus is to stay connected to his body. Church attendance is important. And so we shouldn't allow the things of the world that constantly pull us away to do that. I understand occasionally, but don't let that become a habit. I'll move on. <laughs> but this theme of connection is so vitally important to our walk with Christ. It means everything. And the fifth thing is that Paul was writing this letter for a reason. He was writing to correct a heresy, a false doctrine, a false teaching that was happening in the Colossian church called what would later be called actually Gnosticism. You may have heard that word. Gnosis means to know. They were basically worshiping the collection of knowledge and thinking that this collection was going to save them and that they were special because they had this special concoction of knowledge from their old religions and practices along with Christianity. And Paul was having to write to address that and to correct that. So let's pray and then we'll get in to today's content. Father, thank you for our time. Lord, we sense your presence in the worship and we give you praise and glory and honor. Lord Jesus, would you cause your word to just become alive today in us? As we read it, let it become a rhema. Let it become a right now word of prophecy in our hearts and let us receive these words with joy and thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Now, I gotta tell you, today is a teaching day. A teaching day. It's not, it's, there's gonna be a lot of content, a lot of meat. Some of you are excited about that. You love that kind of a sermon. Others of you are like, oh, great. You like a little more of the traditional preaching style. I do it all, but today I just wanna tell you it's a little more on the teaching side. And so I would challenge you to get your phone out, yes, or your notebook or whatever you have, piece of paper or something, and take notes so that you can stay engaged with it. Now, it's good stuff. I don't think you'll be bored, but the more you take notes, the more you engage. And then tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday, meditate on it. Read it again. Think about it. Go back to the Bible. Read what we're going to read again. I think that's very important. So towards the end of last week, we finally got to the beginning of Paul's point in writing the letter to begin with. He took 22 verses, 22 verses to get to his point, to get to the correction dialogue. He starts out building them up, encouraging them. He brags on them. And then in verse 23, he says, but... <laughs> How many have had those conversations? Come on. He's like, you know, everything that I just said is absolutely true. But there's something else that we need to discuss. There's something else that's very, very important that I need to address. Guys, you're drifting. You're drifting away from the original truth that you learned. You're drifting away slowly 
from the gospel, from the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. You're allowing these false teachers to, to lure you away from what you, so you've got to, the big idea last week, you've got to continue to believe. You remember that? Continue to believe and stand firm. Stand firm in the truth of the gospel. Paul's message to the Colossians is my message to us. Come on, everybody look at me. In this crazy, <laughs> mixed up, upside down society where right is wrong and truth is relative, we cannot drift away. We cannot allow this world to dictate what we believe. Come on, so culture doesn't dictate truth. The word of God dictates truth. We don't adjust to the culture. Since when is that in the word of God? We cannot drift away from the timeless truths of the word, regardless of what this society tries to cram down our throat. We cannot abandon the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. So what's next today? Our subtitle today is interesting. It's in versus and. In versus and. Turn to Colossians 1. We're going to pick up where we left off in verse 24 on the screen. It's in the New Living Translation. Paul says, I am glad when I suffer. Aren't you glad you came to church today? When it starts off like that. I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body. For I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. What is he talking about? He's talking about heavy persecution that's taking place. It's not legal to be a Christian during this period of time. If you were truly a follower of Jesus, you could be thrown into prison. You could die. And he's saying, I'm glad when I what? Paul, have you lost your mind? I understand that it might be necessary, but why in the world would you say, I'm glad? Have you lost it? Come on, that's what it sounds like to me. Do you read the Bible? Come on, it sounds crazy. What does that mean and what does it mean for you and me? I think Paul is saying this, suffering is unavoidable. Suffering is unavoidable. It's gonna happen to each and every one of us in different seasons of our life and at different levels. Why? Because we live in a sin-sick, fallen world under the influence of Satan. So yeah, it's gonna happen. Now we could name a thousand reasons why we suffer. Even in America, the death of a loved one, the loss of a job, a sickness, a relationship failure, disappointment. I think I'll stop there. No one here is exempt. But when we suffer for the sake of the gospel, when we suffer for the sake of righteousness, when we suffer doing the work of the kingdom, oh, I think Paul's saying that's a different thing. Look at the screen. When we suffer as a direct result of our faith, God offers us a special grace reserved for those moments of pain. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? The first time I went to Pakistan, and I've shared this a few times, 
The first time I went, I had some major nightmares the week before that I had, was captured and tortured and killed. That, that, you know, really puts a damper on the trip, right? And I was like, is that a warning, Lord? Am I supposed to cancel this? Am I supposed to do this? And there's two reasons why I went ahead, even though that was a very disturbing set of dreams. Number one is, why am I any different than any other man or woman who's given their life for Jesus throughout history? I'm not. There were husbands. There were wives. There were children. There were parents that gave their life. I'm not any different. And number two, it's right here. I knew in my heart that if that should happen, and if I had to face that, that there would be a special grace from Christ for me. Now, I'm not saying that it would be easy or that kind of scenario is easy or a walk in the park. I'm just saying that there's a different level of grace for different levels of suffering, a different level of grace for those seasons. And see, Paul had discovered it. Paul had found it. He was writing this from prison. He was rejoicing in this discovery. He knew, listen, that his suffering, that his chains were not without purpose. He knew that lives were being changed and it was all worth it in the end. And it can be the same for you and for me. Don't think for a second that this special grace is reserved for super Christians or martyrs in other countries, or pastors, or missionaries. No, God has it for each one of us. In the next few years, if God should call us to suffer persecution right here in his name, there is no doubt in my mind that he will give us the grace to get through it. Somebody give God praise if you believe that. Come on. I don't think you're convinced quite yet. <laughs> Here's another truth, write this down. Sometimes God gives us a special grace in more common sufferings, like a sickness or infertility or a death. Why? Because he allowed it. That's tough, isn't it? He allowed it to eventually bring glory to his name. He allowed it to eventually be your testimony. He allowed it to eventually be the story that he uses to reach somebody else for Jesus. He allowed it to eventually be the story that would encourage somebody else going through the same thing. As I was writing that in my notes, I thought about Courtney. I thought about they, they struggle with infertility, and now they've got three little boys. I thought about her. As soon as the joy of, of having the twins, she found out she had cancer. Didn't know if she was going to be able to sing again because of where the cancer was. But God came through. You know, there's two sides of faith. You know that, right? There's two sides of faith. Read, read Hebrews 11. There's the epic miracle side of faith. There's the faith to believe God for the impossible because he is a miracle-working God. 
But there's also the other side of faith that helps to sustain us even when the answer is no. I'll never forget being a youth pastor many years ago in the mid-90s. And one of my core student leaders, she was 17 years old, got killed in a car accident. And I'll never forget being a part of that funeral and seeing that mom who was so close to the Lord. Listen, listen. Watching her comfort crying kids and friends and other parents when she was the one with the loss. Special grace. There was a purpose in Paul's suffering. And if we'll keep our eyes on Christ, if we'll allow his grace to permeate our life and to work in us, there will be purpose in ours as well. We could almost finish the sermon right there, but we can't. Okay, we've got to move forward. Verse 25. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to his to people. You're going to begin to notice in this next section that Paul starts to use the same words as the false teachers in order to call them out. It's kind of an indirect call out because they're the ones using the words like secret and knowledge and wisdom and revealed an entire message. They kept wanting to add to the message. And he's like, no, I gave you the entire message. The false teachers We're talking about reaching this spiritual perfection through their knowledge. And only a few people could know what it is. And Paul was saying, no, I've given you the whole thing. You don't need anything else. Stop listening to these false teachers who are distorting the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. And the message is still the same today. Do not listen to anyone who wants to add or take away from the gospel. Here's a takeaway for us. Everything God promised in the Old Testament has been or will be fulfilled in Christ alone. It's all about Jesus, y'all. From beginning to end, it's all about Jesus. He fulfilled all of those prophecies when he came the first time and the ones that are left now for when he comes again. The gospel was kept secret for centuries. What does he mean? Well, there were many prophecies in the Old Testament about the Messiah, but until Jesus came and lived and died and rose again, all of that was still a mystery. Even the disciples, come on, even the disciples who lived with him, who listened to him preach, who ate with him and walked around and followed him around for three years and watched the miracles, even they were clueless until he rose from the dead. All along, they still thought he was going to raise up an earthly kingdom to overthrow Rome. Jesus is the full revelation of God in the flesh. There's nothing more. Everything was on the table with Jesus. Everything was made clear through Christ. And at the cross began the age of grace. Think about it this way. Abraham, Old Testament, father of the Jewish nation. He was called a what? friend of God and yet he didn't couldn't comprehend what we have now 
Think about Moses up on the mountain with God, with the fire and all the stuff and all the scary stuff. He was given the law of God, wrote five books of the Bible, the Torah, and yet he couldn't comprehend what we have now. Think about Ruth. Her life was a picture of redemption, but she could not see what we have now. Think about David, the greatest king, the lineage of Christ. He couldn't know it. Elijah, the greatest prophet in the Old Testament with all of his power and knowledge, he could not see it. What about Isaiah? He wrote about it, but he still couldn't see it. Listen to what Hebrews says in the New Testament about all of these heroes. Hebrews eleven thirty nine. 39. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. None of them, though, received all that God had promised. I love this. For God had something better. Somebody say better. God had something better in mind for us. Isaiah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Samuel, Daniel, name after name, story after story of God's work and faithfulness. They couldn't see it. They couldn't comprehend what we now enjoy. Can we put our hands together and thank God for the cross of Jesus Christ? Come on. Back to our Colossians text. In the next verse, Paul gives us the big idea. And this is what I want to hone in on. This is what I want us to pay attention to. This is, if we can grasp what we're about to read and what I'm about to preach, I'm telling you, it will change your life. Verse 27, for God wanted them, his people, to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for the Gentiles too, for everyone, for us, that's important. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. Say in you. Christ lives in you. In you, this gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. I love how the NIV says it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, I want you to pay attention. Again, teaching. Y'all doing all right? Okay, good, good, good. Every hero of the Old Testament who was powerfully used by God had the same thing in common. Faith. You cannot be used by God without faith in God. Got three amens on that one. You cannot be used by God without faith in God. That is similar. We have that in common with them, but that's where the similarities end because in the Old Testament, gotta hear me, gotta hear me, when a man or woman was used by God, the Holy Spirit would come upon them. The Holy Spirit would move on them, not in them. It was temporary. It was momentary. It was for a season of time for a specific purpose. And then his manifest presence would lift off of them. So God's presence was on the person and not in the person. Why, pastor? Because they were not cleansed by the blood of Jesus. Their soul, their heart was not made ready yet because of Christ. So it was God and the person, not God in the person. It was God and Abraham. 
It was God and Moses. It was God and David. But in the New Testament, everything changed. God is still the same. People, humanity are still the same. The difference is Jesus. The difference has always been about Jesus. The difference is about him because of the blood of Jesus, because of his death, because of his sacrifice, because he rose again. The Holy Spirit doesn't just become upon us. Because of Jesus, it's not God and us. It's now God in us. Now give him praise. Whew. That's a lot. Now, here's what I want you to hear. If God is in us by the Spirit of Christ, that means the resurrection power of Jesus is available to us every second of every day. And if we appropriate that, if we walk in that, if we realize and make that a reality in our life, it will change everything. Because when you're struggling with anxiety at three in the morning, the resurrection power of Jesus is still in you. When you're going through hell on earth, you're never alone because Jesus is in you. When you don't know what to do and you're struggling with a decision, you don't have to fret. You don't have to panic because Jesus is in you. Verse 28, so we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. How many perfect people in the building today? If you study this out, perfect doesn't mean flawless here. It doesn't mean without sin. It means mature. Mature. Paul's burden is my burden. Paul's burden is what drove him. This burden is what drives me. This is what I go to sleep or keeps me up at night. This is what I wake up with. This is what I pray about every day. I want to see all of us growing and becoming more mature in our faith and in our commitment to Jesus Christ. It's everything. Why? Well, duh. No. I sound like a broken record. Listen, there's a sifting taking place. There's a separation. I've been preaching it for a year and a half. There's a separation taking place right now in the church in America. Now, get what I'm saying here. The separation is not taking place in the world. The world is always going to do what the world wants to do. The world is always going to go after itself and people are going to go after what pleases them. Don't 
be so surprised at the newest thing that comes out that just blows our mind of evil, of sin. They are gonna continue to do it until the end. Stop being so surprised that, that people without Christ do evil things and sinful things. They always will. The separation isn't taking place out there. The separation is taking place in the church. And I wanna make sure you, you're under my authority, that you understand that you need to be equipped and prepared. Your children need to be equipped and prepared so that you're on the right side of this thing when everything goes down. Come on! Verse 29, he's like, that, that's why. That's why you being ready. That's why you being prepared. That's why I work. That's why I struggle. Depending on Christ's mighty power working within me. Now, we flip and we're going to read just a few verses in chapter 2. But the tone begins to shift a little more here. But even as he corrects, he does it with love and with care. First, chapter 2, verse 1, I want you to know how much I have agonized. My Lord, what a word. Why was he in agony? Because he knew what was happening. He knew they were being led astray. He knew there were wolves in the pen. I'm agonizing for you and for the church at Laodicea. Laodicea was a town just a few miles away. They're doing the same things. They were being the same teachers were in there as well trying to lead them astray. And he wanted them to take this letter when they were done and give it to them. And for many other believers who have never met me personally, verse two, I want them, who? People who have never met me, to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. That's why we have to stay together, folks. This isn't in my notes, but I feel the Spirit of God prompting me to tell you that the word for 2021 is community. 2020 pulled us out and away from one another. And so many good people, good Christians, have gotten in the habit of staying apart. I understand for medical reasons at times, but come on. If you're watching at home and there's not a medical reason, come on back in. Come on back in. But God has put it in my heart, and I'm not going to share it today. I'm not ready to share it, but I'm going to share it before this series is over. God gave me a, I don't know what you would call it. I wrote it out. It's like a poem almost. It's almost like the, a voiceover for a movie about an idea for community. And it's not new. It's not new, but we've forgotten it. And these little screens that we carry around, every waking moment, and these little screens that our kids carry around, every waking moment have divided us. They've robbed us when we've allowed it. What if we were to come together for two hours 
with no agenda, but to put that to the side, literally, and just be together. To be continued. In verse 3, no, verse 2, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan. He's using those words again. These are the words that the false teachers use. This mysterious plan, which is not mysterious, it's Christ. In him, who? Jesus. In him, not this false teaching. In Jesus lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So Paul is getting closer. He's focusing his argument and he says in him, in Christ alone lie the hidden treasures. This mess that you're bringing is a bunch of baloney. The false teachers were promoting a secret knowledge that only a few elite people could understand. They were talking about constantly unveiling a mystery, bringing a revelation. And Paul's like, no, in Jesus Christ, there is no mystery. In Jesus Christ, it's all been revealed. Get away from this heresy and come back to Jesus. In him is the fullness of life. You don't need anything more. You don't need anything more. The gospel, Paul says, is for everyone who believes. Jew, Gentile, rich, poor, old, young, red, yellow, black, or white. There's no longer a mystery. There's no longer this secret society. Everything has been revealed in Christ. Let me tell you what that means for us in 2021. It means there's no room for prejudiced behavior in the kingdom of God. Let me try that again because I, I feel like it should have been a little bit stronger. There's no room for prejudiced behavior in the kingdom of God. It means there's no room for racism. It means there's no room for preferential treatment or favoritism. It means there's no room for pride or arrogance. My heart breaks when I see Christian leaders that God has allowed to have a strong platform who become arrogant who become high and lofty and lifted up and think they are something. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. It's not a mystery. It's not a secret. Jesus died for all people and all people have an opportunity to know him. All people have an opportunity to be filled with his spirit. Last verse, I promise. Verse four. I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Folks, there are some people out there, look at me, who have incredibly high IQs and they can craft an argument against Christianity. You know what the Bible calls those people who have a high IQ but argue against Christ? Fools. Fools. 
Read the Old Testament. Read Proverbs. Proverbs says a lot about fools. Don't hang with them. Don't be around them. Don't give them the time of day. And my God, don't let them speak into your life. So Paul was telling them this 2,000 years ago, and I'm preaching it to you today for the same reason. Satan is a liar. And he has great influence in this world. His demonic forces are at work, and his greatest weapon is what? Deception. Go back to the beginning. Go back to the garden. He hasn't changed his game. The enemy wants nothing more than to put doubt in your heart about Jesus. The enemy wants nothing more than to knock you just a little bit off course so that down the line you'll be way off. He's willing to wait. It may not be tomorrow or the next day. It might not be five years from now. But if you continue to drift and veer off course, he knows eventually he'll have you where he wants you and he'll be able to deceive you. He could care less. Look at me. Satan could care less if you believe in a man called Jesus. But it scares him to death that you would realize and appropriate the resurrection power of Jesus in your life. Because he knows if you get to that spiritual place in your life, he will have no say. He will have no influence. He will have no power because greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. Come on, give him a praise that he's worthy of. I'm finished. survived the teaching listen we've covered a lot of ground please go back but if you can just take away this big idea listen listen Jesus didn't just die for your sins his spirit lives in you to give you power over sin Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. That's Jesus and me. That's American Christianity. Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. I'm going to believe and I'll be good. I'll live whoever I want to. No! That's Jesus and me. This is not a tag team competition in wrestling, folks. I get tired for a while, so Jesus, you take over for a little bit. That's Jesus and me. Yes, Jesus died for my sins. Yes, he rose again. But it goes so much deeper and farther than that when we realize Jesus lives in me and his resurrection power is available to me to walk out my life every moment of every day and no demon in hell can come against me. No demon in hell can do anything to my family. No demon of hell can touch my marriage. No demon of hell can do something to me that God doesn't allow. All right, I preached. There you go. (laughs) Listen, it's not Jesus and you. It's Jesus in you, the hope of glory. Bow your heads. 
If you were challenged and are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you find us. To experience other messages, videos, and live events, visit us online at newlifecanton.com. And again, thank you for listening to the New Life Church Podcast.